Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome. You may be seated. My, my name is Tony, and uh, my wife and I are the lead pastors here at Legacy. We want to welcome you. Uh, if you're visiting us today, especially, we want to say welcome. And if you haven't had a chance to connect with us yet or perhaps fill out a connect card, uh, we want to encourage you to do so. There's a connect card located in the seat back in front of you. And that just helps us be hospitable to you. One of our values is to offer radical hospitality. And so part of that, uh, you filling out a Connect card and turning one in, is it allows us to then follow up with you, connect with you, see how we can serve you and journey with you. For the rest of you that call this amazing, crazy, awesome place your home, welcome home. Come on, Legacy family. Welcome today. Um, I, I joke about this because I'm seeing some faces that have been gone on vacation. And I was mentioning this to somebody in past. I'm like, you're not allowed to go on vacation that long again because we miss you when you're gone. Um, so I'm just kidding. Uh, summer's almost coming to an end, so no more vacations, okay, guys? I miss you when you're gone. Okay, my, I'm just teasing. I hope, I hope you're enjoying. And some of you are watching from RV and camp spots right now. So no guilt or shame to you for being on vacation. I'm just a little jealous. I'm kidding. Um, hey, before we jump into today's sermon, I do have a, a few things that I want to address with you guys that are coming up that are super important. If you were here last week, I talked to you about how Legacy Learns is launching here in August. We've had to make a little bit of a shift to launch that in the second week of September. So we'll be sending out some specific information on this, but essentially this is what we're doing is September, the second week of September, September 10th is our next round of small groups. And then on Tuesday nights, we're going to move our Legacy Learns classes to Tuesday nights instead of Wednesday nights as originally planned. One, because our youth group is just too big and too popping to share the place anymore with us, but then, which is great. Uh, but then two, because we actually want to capitalize. If you haven't been through Rooted, Rooted is our onboard for any new folks and our launch pad for those of you that have been here with us. It's an eight-week course. So we're going to be launching the next round of Rooted September 12th. So that's a Tuesday night. And then on that same uh, Tuesday, the 12th, I'm sorry, uh, we will be launching our classes on emotionally healthy spirituality as well as parenting classes. So we're going to all be in the building at the same time taking classes together. So uh, the next thing I do want to let you know about is some really exciting things are happening in August. Uh, really exciting for me personally as your pastor, uh, as it actually August marks a year of being your lead pastor. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad you cheered for that instead of boots, so that's really good. It means we're on the right track. Um, and, but it's really cool because uh, I actually just found out that one of my really good pastor friends is going to be in town at the end of August. And so, uh, not him, uh, the next guy. Uh, and, uh, but So August 27th, my good friend Aaron and his wife Rochelle, they're pastors at Cordell, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho at the Cause Church. They're coming into town for something, and he texted me, I'm going to be in your area, let's hang out. I said, no, if you're in my 
my area, you're leading worship and you're preaching and you're doing everything in my church because you guys, he, he's awesome. He's like me in that he was an ex-worship leader that turned into a pastor. The difference is he's actually a good singer and I'm not. So um, Aaron is great. He's going to join us on that Sunday morning uh, to lead worship and then he'll be preaching. Um, and then on Saturday, the Saturday prior to that, our creative arts team is going to be having a, a workshop session with him. Um, and then one thing that was planned is August 13th. I'm really excited about this. Pastor Matt Mould is one of my mentors as well. Very quickly has become like a father in the faith to me. It's really interesting because we used to serve together on staff. Uh, and now he's uh, you know, like moved up into more of an apostle kind of role in my life. He planted a church. He and his wife, Lisa, planted a church in the Tri-Cities New Vintage Church. They're going to be here on Friday uh, meeting with our elders. And on a Saturday, if you're a leader, you should have gotten an email personally from me. Uh, we're going to be doing a workshop with them. And then Sunday, they're going to be ministering. Uh, really excited. All these weekends are going to be great weekends for you to invite a friend. Make sure you make it a priority. I'm believing that God is going to do some beautiful things with this guest ministry. So so uh, the next thing I just want to let you know is want to thank you for your generosity and giving here. Um, more than thank you, I want to also commend you. If you call Legacy Church your home, and this is where you have entrusted the Lord with your tithes and offerings, I want to tell you, man, God is doing some beautiful, beautiful things. When you give to Legacy, you're giving through Legacy, and um, God is faithful to always provide for everything that we need. Come on, right? Yeah. So uh, thank you guys for that. So... Let's jump right into today's message. If you were here last week, you know that we began a brand new series called We, and we're filling in the blank, right? Last week, we filled in the blank, and we said we are the church. And we talked about how, as a church, we are called to being a people of community, a people of commitment, and a people with a cause. Today, if we're talking about being community, I want to talk to you about what might be a bit of a hot topic in culture nowadays. It almost feels like this word is almost a cuss word nowadays, if you will, and that is unity. Because if we're truly called to be the church, then God has called us to be a community in unity. And so would you open up your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 133. We're going to read the entire chapter, okay? That's a church joke because that's a really short chapter. Either you don't know your Bible very well, or you weren't paying attention, or I'm just not as funny as first service made me feel. <laughs> Psalm 133, and it says this. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in, say with me, unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. I'm going to explain that here in a little bit. Running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Zion. For there, say with me, for there. Now say with me, for here is where the Lord has commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, because... Your word instructs us, it guides us, and encourages us, it shapes us, it molds us. Lord, I thank you because your word uh, reaches every heart. Even the hardest of hearts, God, you have the ability to penetrate that even through your word. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts, you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, give us sound minds, give us attentive minds, give us attentive ears to hear your word 
and then to apply it, God. Empower us, God, to live this out on a daily basis. Lord, I pray for every person in this room and those online, God, wherever they're at on their journey of faith, whether they're just beginning their faith journey with you or they've been walking with you for a long time. My prayer, Lord, is that you would tailor fit this message individually to every person in this room. Spirit of God, use my words to do that very thing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, the older that I get, by the way, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a whole 35 years old. 35. Is that officially mid-30s, by the way? Or can, can, I, can I push it and say late 30s? I guess it depends on if you like, you know, uh, round up or round down. I'm, I've never been great at math. That's why I went to Bible college. Anyway, uh, the older I get, the more proud I become of upkeeping my yard. Anybody out there feel that? Like, I mean... I'm telling you, I am so about my yard that it's, it's, it's a, and I shouldn't be because it's not even that great. Um, but, but I, I went to Cracker Barrel and I bought myself a rocking chair from Cracker Barrel. Come on, somebody. And I set it on my front porch. And I got to admit to you, I sit out there and I wait for kids to walk on my lawn. And when they walk on my lawn, you know what I say? Get off my lawn, kid. Right? I'm so proud of my lawn. You know, I'm tending to it. I'm adding this and that. How many of you know you spend a bajillion amount of money just trying to keep that thing green in the desert of Idaho, right? Where things are not supposed to stay green, but the HOA says so, you know? And when, when my wife and I lived in, 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 uh, in Vancouver, Washington, we had two to three acres of land. We had sheep and chickens and goats and so I didn't care but I'll tell you what man when I moved to the suburbs I'm like I'm gonna own this it's gonna be green and there's not gonna be any weeds right and so we we spend pretty much every waking moment our, our backyard we've got two golden retriever dogs so they they stain how many of you know that dog urine stains your lawn let me let you in on a little secret you can do clover seeds, and clover doesn't stain. So that we're, we're doing clover in our backyard. It's really helping out my golfing game. Can you tell my great form there? Um, anyway, and so we're doing that, but the front yard, the front yard's the hard one, right? And so we're working. And, and you know what, what the, the bane of my existence in my front yard is? Weeds, right? Because here's the thing. There's some weeds that even look pretty, right? Like, let's take, for instance, dandelions, and if you have kids, they all want to go pick them, and they want to make a wish. And what they don't know is that they are blowing the seed of Satan into your lawn. <laughs> Am I right? Or you know you've got that neighbor who refuses to care for his lawn, and then the Idaho summer wind blows through, and all of a sudden you've lost your Christianity because the seed of Satan is now blown into your lawn. You, some of you are looking at me like, I'm too holy for this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> then there's the kind of weeds that you go to pull and you only get the leaves. You know? Yeah, like these right here. Like You pull them and they're almost like sticky. You know, and they're grimy and it's like their protective system, right? And it's like, you need to be protected. No, you need to be killed, you know? Like, and then there's crabgrass that somehow has the ability to grow through cement. Like... I can't get my grass to grow with the hundreds of dollars that Zamzos charges me, but you can grow in the midst of concrete, right? Now, I recognize some of you guys are not from Idaho, like me, so let me educate you on something. 
There's a pesky, invasive thing known to Idaho or brought to Idaho, if some might argue, called, come on, Idahoans, let me know, goat heads. Some of you, I'm about, some of you, like, you're about to get your money's worth just right now. You ready for this? I haven't even started preaching. And you're like, I came to church and I'm learning something new. This little flower with the beautiful little yellow blooming things are the reason why your pastor's broke because he spends so much money changing bike inner tubes. I have five kids. I change inner tubes about three times a week. Do the math. We're taking up an offering after this. Why? Because these, if they're not pulled, this is what they turn to right here. And so I'm telling you, be neighborly. If you ever see a goat head, just pull it up. Pull it up. Curse it in the name of Jesus. Cast out whatever you got to cast out. And your neighbors are going to thank you, man. I'll tell you what. And your bike tires are going to thank you. And if you have little toddlers walking around barefoot, all cute for Instagram out there, their toes are going to ache. I mean, thank you as well, right? Uh, why am I bringing up weeds in the midst of talking about unity, you might be asking? Well, here's what I have heard in the church world. It has been said in the church world that healthy things grow. But you know what I've learned is that even unhealthy things can grow. And you know, as we look at our church, and not only have we grown numerically over the last year, especially in, uh, as, as your lead pastor, I get an inside view of your story, and I get to see that numbers are not just everything, but I get to see the growth that God is doing inside of each of you is that my concern would be that we create an environment where there is growth, but where there isn't healthy growth. Because the reality is that, yes, healthy things grow, but as we learn through our lesson in weeds today, even unhealthy things grow. And if I'm brutally honest with you this morning, which I hope to be throughout my sermon today, I believe there's something that has infiltrated the kingdom of God that is an unhealthy cancer that continues to grow unless we stop it. And that is division, strife, loneliness, isolation, the opposite of unity. And so if we're going to grow, if we're going to continue to grow, I want you to hear my heart as your pastor is that we not just grow in unhealthy ways, but that we grow in a healthy and sustainable way. And the only way we are going to do that is if we are a people that are united. And last week, like I mentioned, we talked about this idea that we're a community, that we're a people of commitment, that we're a people with a cause. And that all can sound exciting at times, but none of it will have lasting fruit unless we are united. So first first thing I want to tell you today is this, is that unity says to us, we are better together. You know, I opened up with the book of Psalms, chapter 133, to kind of trick you into thinking you weren't going to read a ton of scripture today. But get ready, because today we're going to read some lengthy scriptures. Is that okay? Stick with me. 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. Verse 12 through 26. And before we begin to read this portion of scripture, I want you to just begin to hear how this scripture is going to preach for itself. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, 
so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. Look at this. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Let me pause right here. And let me make a declaration here. I've had some people, I think well-meaning people, and I, and I understand the sentiment, not correcting you, I, I love you too, but I've had some people approach me, especially over the last several months, and go, it feels like, like there's a lot of other people that also preach around here, but like you're the pastor, like, and yes, I understand, I will carry the, the most of that, but here's what I'm intentionally doing, is I am not wanting to build a culture that is based on my personality and my giftings alone. Do you, you read what this just said? It says, for the body does not consist of one member. In other words, this church will not last or be built if it's built on my personality and my giftings alone. And what happens is we misunderstand, and yes, absolutely, God calls an eldership. Yes, God appoints a leader, and those are all great things, but it's, as it relates to the body of Christ, when we misunderstand the concept of the value that each of us hold, we don't understand that what we bring to the table is needed. It's crucial. And if we're not careful, we begin to take on an attitude of, someone else will do it. That's what he's called to do. Me, not me. It goes on to say, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, then that would not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Here it is. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, then where would be the sense of smell? I want you to catch this. It's going to preach for itself. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as what? He chose. Are you seeing this? It's not worth you comparing yourself to your neighbor. It's not worth you going, well, I'm not like that. Right, you're like this because God chose for you to be like this. Well, I don't bring this to the table. Yeah, but what you bring to the table, God ordained for you to bring to the table. Yeah. We don't minimize our value. And like it continues on to say, we also don't think of ourselves higher. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If we all were a single member, again, if we were all a bunch of Tonys, then where would the eye not say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body, look at this, that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Do you feel like you're weaker and of less value? Hear the word of the Lord to you today. You are indispensable. Yes. And, though, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Whew. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may no, but, but that, excuse me, that there may be no, here it is, division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, we ignore them and tell them, too bad. Are you catching this? We all suffer together. 
If one member is honored, we all criticize them and get jealous and say, don't they know? No, we all rejoice together. Unity says we are better together. Division, exclusion, isolation, I said this before, I'll say it again, are all tactics of the enemy. Division, isolation, and exclusion are all tactics of the enemy. And the only way for us to combat this is to walk out our identity in unity. In fact, the enemy would want to isolate you because alone he can get you. In fact, the enemy would want you to think higher of yourself so that no one wants to be around you because no one likes to be around a cocky jerk. Am I right? The enemy would want you to think so lowly of yourself that it's not worth me ever having any relationship with anyone because I'm just so worthless and because he would want you to not see the prize that you are in the eyes of God. Come on, your value was so great that he would give his only son for you. So a community in unity is one that walks out transparency, openness, vulnerability, and humbly makes a way for one another. Romans 12, 4 to 5 says it this way, that just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and look, look at this, we all belong to each other. So in other words, it's not you and you and you and that's it. No, it's you plus you plus me plus you equals better together. But you know what happens? We look at our differences and we use it as a reason to criticize one another. And if we aren't careful, we do that in the body of Christ as well. The church down the road, their expression, the, the, the church over on that corner. I want to say this very clearly. Our church is about 80-some years old. I'm the fourth pastor in this church. And we've got a rich history, and, and we've not always gotten it right. Come on, if you've been here for a long time, you know we've made some mistakes. But if there's one thing that's been passed down to me that I know for sure is that this church has made it a point to never speak ill of other churches. In fact, in my own life, and if I've fallen in that, I want to say I'm sorry for that. But with a clear conscience, I can tell you, I've made it a point to not speak ill of what God is doing in the expressions of the local church throughout the valley and and its regions. And, And if I'm brutally honest, I've actually had some good reason at times to actually have some opinions about some people. And I haven't. I haven't used that. Because what happens is when we use our differences as a reason to cause division, all we're doing is falling right into the trap of the enemy for our lives. You know, this is why we take on the attitude of, well, the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, the this, the that. Can I just tell you, a Charismatic church is going to reach a certain person that maybe a Baptist church won't reach, but a Baptist church is going to reach somebody that maybe a seeker-sensitive church won't reach. And, and, we go, and, and, and we act as if it wasn't the kingdom of God. 
Now, I'm not talking about the truths of the Word of God. I'm not talking about how we disagree on the, the thing that has withstood the test of time, languages, cultures. But when it comes to our methodology, when it comes to our strategy, why are we more stuck on what lights are used, what songs are sung, what, what marketing is used, what style, what size, is, and, and less interested in the unified body of Christ Jesus advancing the gospel throughout the, eternity, uh, throughout the world? We've misunderstood that we are, in fact, better together. Why is it so important that we understand that we're better together? Because unity also releases power. Unity releases power. Acts chapter 2, verse 43, we read the segment of Scripture last week. And it says this, that a deep sense of awe came upon over them all. And the apostles, here it is, performed many miraculous signs and wonders. In other words... Based on their unity, the power of heaven was released. They were all together under one accord, under one spirit, and the power of God was released upon them. Something happens, something exciting and powerful happens when a people come together under one accord. And last week, I know that some of you that were here, I hope you, 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 not, you more than enjoyed the sermon, but that you actually began to live it out. And I know it can be exciting when a charismatic preacher can get up here and get all excited about how we're going to make the norm the supernatural, and we're going to expect miracles, and we're going to expect signs. And I meant every word. But you want to know what will quench that right away? Well, they sang the song I didn't like this Sunday, so... Well, did you see Lane wearing a hat on stage here? So, Yeah, I mean, he's talking about unity, but, uh, you know, did you see the guy that clearly doesn't vote the way I vote walking into the building the other day? It's exciting when we expect power. And we expect the release of the miraculous. But what will quench that right away is division. And what we do, if we aren't careful, is we begin to rumble and grumble and cause more division. And you know what we do? We do it behind the scenes. This this doesn't happen here. It's just a hypothetical, right? Or we can be a powerful church. We can be a divided church that finds very easily what should divide us, or we can learn how to live in a powerful, unified manner and do the hard work of walking under what does unify us. Unity releases power. We see it all throughout Scripture that when a people would come together, God would release his power to his people. Then his people would go out into the world. And as that power was taken out to the world, it released miracles. There's, There's actually a direct correlation, if you study scripture, between unity and power being on display. In fact, in the book of Genesis chapter 11, and I don't mean to, to, to go all the way exhaustively into this, but I want to at least give you a little taste in your mouth of, of some, some theology in this uh, and some doctrine about what took place in the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11 describes that God looked down on a group of people and his literal words were, man, unified, nothing can stop them. There's nothing that, 
they set their minds to that they can't do. And, and in this case, they were trying to do something that didn't glorify him. So you know what God did? He confused them and dispersed them and gave them all different languages so that they wouldn't understand one another. What does this have to do with what we're talking about? Hang in there. We then look at the book of Acts. And we see how the Spirit of God is poured out on the day of Pentecost. And we see what theologians have now labeled as the reversal of Babel. When Acts 2 describes that as the Spirit of God was poured out, everyone began to speak in different languages. But hear this. This is the difference between what happened in Genesis 11 and Acts 2. It says they each understood one another in their own language. Unity, are you, I, I, man, I, I hope I'm not the only the, theology nerd around here, but like, are you seeing this? Like we, we, we read how in the Bible there was confusion, there was division, there was dispersion, dispersion of people, but Jesus comes to redeem this story as a great unifier, while then we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost as the ultimate restoration of what was lost in the Tower of Babel. He literally brings tongues that can be understood and interpreted and pours out the gifts of the Spirit to edify and build as opposed to divide. Now, here, here, here's what just took place right now. Some of you are like, whoa, Holy Spirit, Pentecost, different tongues. I'm sorry that people have made that weird for you. It ain't this weird, witchcrafty, weird, crazy thing. Now, is it supernatural? Absolutely. Our, is our brain not really in our natural way going to fully grasp it? Absolutely. But can I tell you, the Spirit of God gets poured out as the great unifier to redeem what was once lost. And he now goes, listen, you all are going to understand one another. And through that, and then you go on to read the, the, the Acts of the Apostles. And what happened? Powerful things began to take place. Miracle upon miracle upon miracle. Why? Because the Spirit of God comes to unify all of the people. If you don't believe me, go read for yourself, okay? The reversal of Babel. What was once a divided world had now, under the power of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, become a united world, whereas Acts says everyone understood one another as if they were speaking in their own language and nothing could stop the work of God through those people. Psalms 133 actually says it this way. It says that, 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 that he commands a blessing, right? That it's in the place of unity that God sends a blessing. In other words, he releases the supernatural into the natural world to a people that are unified. Psalm 133 talks about this idea of the oil on the head running down the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. Uh, I want you to catch this. So oil was the significance of a people or a person that was set apart for God's power and purpose. Where there is unity, there is a people called out to fulfill God's power and purpose. And then it talks about the dew, the, the dew, the, the mountains of Zion. Well, dew in this context was vital, hear me, for growth and harvest in the midst of dry seasons. Your and my unity will bring refreshing water to those that are in a dry and weary land. Yes. Yeah. Amen. 
You know what the opposite of that is? And I, I got to get real with you here. Is the way most of the world sees the church nowadays. We are known more for what we stand against than what we stand for. And not only that, but in the big C church, we are known for all the different expressions that disagree with one another. What would happen if we realized there was power in our differences? Now, I know I'm touching some nerves here today. But you know, you want to know why I'm touching some nerves when I say there's power in our differences? Because here's what happened, and we all do it. Some of you, when you first met me, you saw me, and it was very easy for you to immediately see how I'm different from you. Am I right? Not everybody can grow this amazing of a mustache. I get it. <laughs> Guys, it's taken 10 years and lots of essential oils. <laughs> and some of you guys are going, it's still that thin. Shh. Right? Some of you hang your art on your wall. I put it on my body. Some of you saw me and saw a different skin color, a different skin tone, different expressions. And, and, and we do this to one another all the time. It's so easy for us to go. And God's going, it's our differences and the ways we were designed put together that actually makes us powerful. There's a story of a man that had this old barn. True story. You can look it up. Old barn. And the city had asked him to move it. And he goes, I don't want to destroy it. I'm going to just move it somewhere else. So I, I forget the number. I, I'm not, I'm not going to get this right so you can look it up. But he does the math to figure out if every person in his town can lift a certain amount of weight together they can all lift this thing up off the ground and move it. it was a, I believe it was about 300 people or so came together and literally lifted this structure up off its foundation and moved it. No machinery, just ropes. Don't tell me there's not power in unity. And the same thing that's true in the natural is true in the spiritual. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes excuse me, chapter uh, 4, verse 9 through 12 says it this way. Two people are better off than one, for they can help one another succeed. If one person falls, then the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Band, you can come on up. I'm going to finish my third point next week. But here's what I want to say, and I don't want you to get distracted with the band coming up. There's things in my life and that, that there's some walls that need to come down. Right? Have you ever had some, some things that, like, through prayer, you know there's some walls that have got to come down? 
And, and it's one thing for me to stand at a wall and push on it, right? Like, it's one thing to just sit there and push. Now, you guys, I know you look at me and you go, that guy clearly works his triceps out. I get it. I'm just trying to make you laugh a little bit. Even if you're laughing at me, I'm happy, okay? So I can push on this thing. But what happens when I get someone else to come and push on this wall with me? And I get another third person to push on this wall with me. And I get another person to push on this wall for me. What do you think eventually is going to happen to that wall? It's going to come down. I can sit and push and push and push and push and push. But something, hear me church, powerful happens when united with my brothers and sisters, I come onto this wall and I begin to push on this thing. Here's what I want to say to you practically. Here's what I want to say to you practically. I want you to guard yourself from the scheme of the enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy that which God is building in your life individually and in this local church and in his kingdom at large. I want, to guard, I want you to keep on guard. Why? Because it sneaks up on you. Because you know what happens is we spot a difference and instead of addressing it properly, we take it as an offense. Right? Or we allow division and exclusion and isolation to creep in. How? Uh, well, you know, the, the pastor said something and uh, um, it, it really hurt me. And so um, I, I'm just telling you as my friend so that we can pray through this together. As opposed to, hey, Tony, you said this and it hurt me. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. That's not what I meant. Or man, that's what I meant. And I got I to gotta submit that carnality and repent. Or we get around our prayer groups and we go, I don't know if anybody knows. <laughs> Come on. But just so that we can cover so-and-so in prayer. And we, oh my Lord, Holy Spirit. And we spiritualize a sinful act. And the enemy sneaks in like that. And that's how division and exclusion, uh, how does exclusion work? I would never go through something like that. So let's just pray that Lorelai is healed from that. Because I would never. I'm just using Lorelai because it's her first Sunday lean, uh, singing up here. And she was in my peripheral. And girl can sing, man. Instead, instead, and this is how, I'll, this is how I want to end today's sermon. Instead, let me read this to you. 1 Peter chapter 3. Finally, all of you, chapter 3, verse 8. Let me just read this over you. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for this is why you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Tony, 
How do I strive for unity? How do I tap into the power of unity? Finally, all of you have unity of mind. Have sympathy. Have brotherly love. Have a tender heart and a humble mind. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, because you are calling us to a greater level of unity. I believe you're calling the church to a level of unity like never before. Because not only does it release power, but as we're going to learn next week, it actually ultimately brings glory to you. So Lord, this morning, I pray for everybody in this room and those online. I pray, God, that you would give us what 1 Peter describes. Sympathy, brotherly love, a humble mind, a soft heart towards one another, Lord. Yes, there's going to be differences. Yes, there's, you don't call us to uniformity. In fact, we read in Corinthians that we're not called to uniformity. In fact, unity is even more beautiful and more powerful when we look at the different parts and all that they have to offer and we value all that and we put that together and we come together under one same mission and umbrella and that is to bring glory to you, God. So no, God, we're not praying for uniformity. Don't make us all just like each other. No, God, help us to value what each of us brings to the table. Whether that's here in our church, whether that's in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, oh God. And Father, my prayer is for the church as a, as a whole, God, even in the Treasure Valley. As I look at my friends that are planting churches in the Treasure Valley, as we look at long-standing churches, God, that we would all come together and together we would truly be more powerful and completely sold out to the mission that Jesus gave us all. And that is to go, go, go and make disciples. So, Father, we thank you even now for the opportunity that we get to learn together and walk together and journey together. We give to you all that has been said today. We submit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.